Hey everybody, welcome to Wednesdays Together. I'm so glad you've taken time out of your busy week to join us, to worship with us tonight, to dig deeper into God's Word, and to gain valuable principles about how we can live for Him in these challenging times. Have you noticed that so many people are really ticked off these days? I mean, they get annoyed, um, have very short fuses, and really a lot of times people get mad about things that may not even seem that significant in the big scheme of things. About three or four years ago, I just felt like I needed a break from social media. Uh, there were so many things that I loved most about it, connecting with friends and family that uh, are not here in close proximity with me, seeing pics of people's kids, hearing about great things that God is doing in people's lives, praying with people as they were facing various struggles. Those things were the reasons that I wanted to be on social media, but I felt like those things were less and less prominent. And the things that were in my face all the time were grumbling, complaining, entitlement, shaming others, political rage, cat videos, and pics of everybody's delicious meals that I can't eat, that I'm allergic to, watching all this kind of stuff. I mean, I understand that cat videos and food pics should not be on the same level of all those other things that I made, but you know, they were creating some anger in me too. And so I just felt like for a host of reasons that social media for me was becoming this toxic wasteland and I needed to walk away from the negativity, from the complaining, from the raging, from the entitlement. So I gave it up. I'm not saying that's what you should do, but for me, I felt like I just didn't want to share any more of my emotional space with all of that. I needed to guard my mind and my spirit and protect my emotional well-being. But then we all got locked down in March and I felt more disconnected from people so I decided to get back online and I hoped, you know, this time around things will be nice. Uh, <laughs> you know what? <clears throat> there, there's still, there's still a lot of nice spots, but it's still just like it was three or four years ago. Those nice spots still get overshadowed a lot because people are still raging and shaming and complaining. And I find myself wondering if I should give, give up on it all, all again. I um, actually learned a new word yesterday. Um, it's called doom scrolling. Doom scrolling. It's this need that we have. Um, we feel like we need to keep up with everything that's going on. You know, we need to stay informed with all of the madness that's going on. So we must constantly scroll various through various feeds to find the latest news. Um, and then what happens in the middle of all that? when we're just scrolling and searching and trying to keep abreast of everything, there's just this toxic weight of negativity that just sort of just kind of sweeps over us and settles in on us. And folks, I just want to tell you right now, we are not called to that. And it is okay to turn that off. It is actually probably uh, the best thing that you can do for your for your emotional well-being to not be part of that 24-7 scroll of negativity. There is no better time than now for us to live out Philippians 4.8 that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. 
to choose to think on the good, the true, the just, the things that are positive that will warm our souls and spirits. Folks, it is crazy train out there, but we don't have to make ourselves crazy. Honestly, if I could do exactly what I want to do right now more than anything, I'd gather all of us together right now and I'd give out as many hugs as I possibly could. You know I would. Um, and I'd share just as much of God's love as I can because that's what we need right now in this moment. And so, uh, so from afar, I am praying the protection of God's word over you. And I pray in the protection of God's word over my mind to, to keep us all of sound mind and sane in all of this crazy time. Now, we could talk all day long about all the reasons why people are angry. And I don't want that to be our focus tonight. But I will drop this thought um, that, that comes to my mind from time to time when I think about that. I think for most people, when you see extreme anger, it's usually based in fear. Okay, now that does not in any way excuse nastiness, but when I can understand why someone is acting the way they act, it helps me understand them a little bit better. And if we can be really honest tonight, maybe it can help us understand ourselves a little bit better as well. As in, if we think about those things that trigger us the most, I'm sure we get worked up from time to time because we're afraid of what's going to happen next. Um, if this changes or if this doesn't change or whatever the scenario. And so those fears sometimes come out in ways that aren't pretty. This series is entitled Christians at Our Best and it's speaking specifically to what we are called to be and do as believers, especially during this volatile, polarizing context in which we live. You see, we started this series by talking about whose kingdom we're fighting for. And speaking of kingdoms, if you missed last Sunday's message, you need to watch it. And this Sunday also will boost your faith in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And last Wednesday with this series, we spoke about rights versus responsibilities as believers and how we need to think about our responsibilities unto the Lord and unto his children. Tonight, we're going to talk specifically about what we believe, why our worldview matters, and how it should inform all we say and do. As Christians, we must commit to being salt and light in our age. We see outrage on so many fronts directed towards unbelievers, directed towards Christians, and then we even see people who are outraged about all the outrage, okay? Uh, people are just mad and mad and more mad and it just piles on and piles on and piles on. But here's the question that must guide our worldview no matter what we face. And that question is, how can we show and share the love of Jesus in a world whose brokenness and pride so often lead to division to self-interest, and to offense. Here's one thing I'd like to put on your radar. Lots of people are easily duped into being worked up online, especially over things that aren't even true. Can I tell you something um, else about, about that topic? I mean, there's, there's, there's just 
instance after instance after instance that you can see this happening. And folks, I'm sorry to say that lots of Christians are easily duped. You see, sometimes it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what your belief system is or your worldview is. But sometimes we get, we people, humans, we get sucked into things that weren't real in the first place. And we end up looking bitter and foolish. Now, that's not a good look for anyone, right? But especially not a Christian, especially not someone who is charged to tell the world about the best thing that ever happened to them. Does anyone remember the Starbucks Red Cup controversy of 2015? Um, I'll give you a highlight. An angry Christian made a Facebook post that would eventually go viral and set off a war. His post was, Starbucks removed Christmas from their cups because they hate Jesus. That was it, word for word. That's what he posted. It played to the Christian fear that there's a war on Christmas and um, that there's there's just this battle um, to stop people from saying Merry Christmas, things like that. So many Christians just took his words as truth and they ran with it. But there was a small problem with this. Well, there were a number of problems, but, but there was one key small problem with his post. Starbucks had never put Merry Christmas on their cups before that, at least not in the six years before that time that he mentioned that. Starbucks is not a Christian company. They had always used winter images and words like joy or um, happy holidays or things like that, that, that they deemed to be more inclusive. Um, but, but that didn't prevent a Christian call to boycott and an embarrassing internet slugfest over something that simply wasn't true. They didn't remove Merry Christmas from their cups. I hope you can see here that the problem is not just a simple misunderstanding. If that, if that were the case, then everything would have ended whenever Starbucks clarified their position. But the problem is that as humans, when we encounter something that plays to our fears, people often dig in more deeply and refuse to let go of those notions, even when they're proven false. And even Christians do this, unfortunately, to the detriment of our witness. Folks, we know that there's fake news all around from all ends of the political spectrum, from all ends of the media spectrum. We know that that's the case in the world that we're living in, and it's harder than ever to know what the truth really is. And we've said recently, numerous times, you better be filling your mind and your spirit with God's word now more than ever. I, I need an amen from somebody. Why don't you type amen in the comments? We need to be filling our minds and our spirits with God's word now more than ever because it's hard to see what truth really is. We're bombarded with so much negativity, so many lies, so many dissenting stories. It's truly impossible to know which are true and which are lies all the time. So we better stay in the word and we better pray for God to guard our hearts and our minds. And we better remember that we are called to be in this world, but not of this world. Now, now here's, 
here's, I'd, I'd like to just share this with you as well. I'm not of the mindset that we have to bury our heads in the sand or that we have to hide away from culture so that we don't get spiritually contaminated. Okay? Jesus did not do that. And Jesus has not called us to do that. We have what this world needs. Does anybody believe that today? We absolutely have what this world needs. And we have a responsibility to live in such a way that will make the world desire what they need, right? We're called to that. We are called to engage culture, not to isolate ourselves or hide from the world, but we must resist the temptation to believe and live as those who do not know God. First Peter 2.9 calls us to be set apart, to be holy. That means consecrated unto Him, consecrated unto His service, a life living for God and for His purpose that He desires for us. Matthew 5.13-16 calls us to be lights in the darkness. We're called to make a difference in this world. And the primary way we live out that calling is by ensuring that our worldview is shaped by the gospel. Even as we speak into a hostile, selfish world. I want to encourage you tonight to examine your heart, your habits, your daily routines, We need to examine the voices that we allow to influence us and to shape our worldviews. Because make no mistake, we will be influenced for either godliness or worldliness. And those same forces also influence how we interact with culture. Did you know that? Your worldview is the primary driving force that influences how you interact with culture to either engage culture in a godly manner or to succumb to the age of outrage and fight like everybody else does. Folks, we are called to higher than that. It is our privilege to live above that. It is our privilege to walk in truth and in love. So let's talk about worldview, what it means and how it influences us. A worldview is a set of fundamental beliefs that inform how we see and engage the world. A worldview is the framework through which we interpret everyday life and make decisions. It's it's like the lens, okay? It's the lens through which we view the world. Worldview is the big picture that directs all we say and do. Another way to think of it is your worldview, it's the water in which you swim, okay? Now, our worldview, you don't just wake up one morning with a worldview. And if you're thinking I'm just waxing philosophical here about things that don't matter, no, folks, I'm telling you um, about things that, that we can't see. Sometimes we make everything spiritual or we make everything this war or this battle. Oh, there is a spiritual battle that's waging, but we pay, we play a part in that. And our worldview is a direct result of, of our part that we play in this, okay? Because our worldview is a product of our decisions, our habits, and our influences, okay? Uh, your worldview is, the, it, it, it kind of goes along with that notion you are what you eat. 
Have you heard that? I know we don't want to hear that. I know, you know, we'd, we'd like to just be able to eat cotton candy and ice cream and all that all day and still be fit and healthy and all of those great things. But, but, but there is the truth to that notion that you are what you eat. And it's not just true in the physical, it's true in the spiritual sense as well. What do I mean by that? I mean, you are what you consume. And so if you fill your mind and your spirit with things of the world, you become like the world in your thinking. You know, garbage in, garbage out. Okay? So that's what I'm saying that, that that's our part that we play in this cosmic battle. Okay? There are things that are warring all around us, but we choose how we will how we will feed ourselves. We choose what our worldview will be by those things that we consume. Have you ever noticed that people who consume things of the world they don't, they don't usually feel uh, that, that bad about that, right? Um, because the more you take in, the more it separates your spirit from the things of God. You feel justified in your views because, well, my views are right, bless God. And that's just how I feel. And people can just get over it. That's how many, that's how many people feel. That's how many people respond. Um, if you find yourself saying or thinking people need to just get over it um, in response to things that you say or think or feel or post, you probably are contributing to the age of outrage and not in a positive way, my friends. Every person has a worldview. And just because you're a Christian doesn't necessarily mean that your worldview is godly. I'm sorry to break that to you. A Christian's worldview can become just as worldly as anybody else's if it's influenced by things that are contrary to God's principles. Okay? Your worldview is a pretty good indicator of who is discipling you, of what is discipling you. Your worldview is a pretty good indicator of if you are being conformed or if you are being transformed. Romans 12 verses 1 through 2 say, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. When we read that, we think that he's just referring to bodies, how we take care of our physical man or how we protect um, those sorts of things or how we image God through our bodies. He's talking about the totality of us, how we, how we present all of us to the Lord by the mercies of God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Remember that word holy means set apart unto him, consecrated to him. That's our spiritual worship. That's how we worship him. It goes on to say, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When the world is discipling you, you will be conformed to the thoughts and methods of this world. And so that begs the question, how does my worldview become conformed to the world? Well, by following outraged voices and unthinking habits that the world follows. When I, when I follow these patterns that the world that the world is following, I'm going to be like the world. This is not rocket science. I'm not telling you anything 
that you can't figure out on your own. I'm just calling us to think more critically about the choices that we make and the people that we follow and the influences that we allow to speak into our lives. What I mean by outrage voices, I mean following people who are always stirring up division and fear and turmoil in your spirit and rebellion in your spirit. Voices that appeal to your flesh and not to the spirit of God. For example, yelling pundits on TV and on the internet. People who get paid to be polarizing. I'm going to let us think about that one for just a moment. Following people who get paid to be polarizing. These people are discipling us to become more and more divided, more and more polarized. What are these other things that we can follow? Chaotic social media. I've already talked about that a little bit. Everybody's angry as we've already established. And it's even worse now that we can't leave our homes as freely and have our normal lifestyle that we've been accustomed to. So social media becomes this captive audience of outrage, exchanging blow for blow, leaving a trail of carnage in its wake. Another, another, um, pit <laughs> that you can fall into is this soup is this superficial self superficial self-help um trail that people find themselves following that is this endless journey endless path that never leaves you in a place where you feel satisfied and content in the lord do you know how much was spent in 2019 for self-help 9.9 billion dollars 9.9 billion dollars you can learn how to be happy right now um <laughs> but just not how to make jesus your lord and king because the things that they focus focus on usually in these things are not spiritual principles of the last shall be first and serving and turning the other cheek no it's about putting yourself first it's about seeking um what you want and what you feel in the moment. It's not about living your best life now in Christ and certainly not focusing on your eternal life. And folks, that's not even counting all the ways that Hollywood is trying to disciple us uh, with movies, with, with shows, uh, just with the media even that we're watching. We know that they're marketing their marketing targets are so intense that they even have specific targets for preschoolers, right? <laughs> because they know that parents will buy things to appease their children. Okay, so so those are the, those are the angry, outrageous things that pull us in. Um, but then there's also the mindless, mind-numbing, unthinking habits that we have developed that shape our worldview as well. Why don't you check out your cell phone um, to see your activity? Um, you, or you can see that daily screen time calculator. I mean, if you want to see something that's frightening, that could be mind-blowing. Do you know that in the U.S., in the span of one minute, 15 million text messages are sent. There are over 4 million YouTube views, 3.6 million Google searches. There are 456,000 tweets. Now, this is all before the virus. Uh, before the virus, Americans spent 10.5 hours per day looking at screens. Now, of course, we're counting 
time that people have to spend on screens for work, things like that as well. But, <laughs> but that was 10.5 hours per day looking at screens, whether it's for work or entertainment. And that's before Zooming and telemedicine appointments and church online. The way technology has taken over makes it so much easier to mindlessly waste time in ways like never before. And we don't even realize it. And, and to overtake the positive habits that we have in our lives. That is what might be discipling you. I'm telling you folks, right now, right now, we need to find ways to use technology for our spiritual, mental, and emotional growth. Not be trapped by it. We must find ways to make sure our worldview is shaped by God's Word and His principles. We must think about every single thing we consume and ask the question, is this helping form a healthier worldview or is it holding me back from what God has for me? Folks, this is the time to consecrate. This is the time to do everything possible within our power to say, God, I need you to protect my mind. I need you to protect my soul and my spirit to keep me from the traps that are set all along the way to keep me from the things that give me a carnal worldview. Because here's the thing, there's no way on earth I will be a Christian at my best if my worldview is ungodly. If my worldview is shaped more by Hollywood than it is by the Holy Word. I've got to surrender and submit those things. And, I, and it's very difficult to do that when I'm not cognizant of it. It's very difficult to do that when I'm not aware of the fact that the more I consume that is not like God, the more I am led astray from His principles, from His path, from a godly world view. And as I close in prayer, I want us to take a deep probing look into our hearts. What are our influences? What are the habits that are damaging and harmful to a Christ-centered life? What are the voices that are giving prominence to the things that are ungodly in this world? And, and of those voices, am I giving them prominence in my life? What are the things around me that I am elevating above that place where God and God alone should be elevated? Because if the Lord is not sitting supremely on that throne of influence in my life, we need to repent of that right now. We need to ask for His forgiveness. And we need to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Let's pray right now. Dear God, dear God, your spirit has swept into this room right now. I feel your presence calling us, drawing us, leading us. And Lord, I feel the shackles, the bondage. Lord, I feel the chains of these ungodly influences being broken right now. In the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus binds and expels every spirit of ungodly influence. The blood of Jesus looses the spirit of peace and gentleness 
and kindness, the fruits of the Spirit to rule and reign in our lives. Lord, that we will not be bound, we will not be slaves to sin, to the path of this world, but that we will walk in humility as you did, Lord Jesus. That we will humble ourselves, that we will give our flesh over to you, our minds, our souls, our spirits over to you. We will walk in ways that please you. We will commit to pursuing a godly worldview. And from that godly worldview, a wellspring of the Spirit will flow. Lives will be touched. People will be transformed. Lord, right now, we submit our ways to you. We submit any ungodly influences to you. Lord, we surrender our hearts and our habits to you. Redeem them. Redeem them for your glory. We ask for your spirit, your spirit to transform us, to transform our worldviews to a godly one, that we could image and reflect you in the ways that you have called us to. And it is in the name above all names, the mighty name of Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church family, there is victory in the house. God is with us. God is for us. And we are here with you this Friday night. We've got a Fab Friday gathering. We hope that you will make a priority to be there. Let's gather together with, with our brothers and sisters. Have a good time. We can do that remotely. It'll be great to see your faces. Let's focus on the good. Let's focus on the healing power that comes in the name of Jesus as we unite together as the body of Christ. I love you and I miss you so much. Have a great rest of your week. God bless you.